0: Of the world. We get that among those who don't know God. However, I find the story surprising, maybe not shocking, but surprising for those within the church and who claim to have known God for a long time that they're also having that same message. I don't know what to do. I seem to have lost my way. So I want to talk to you this morning about a simple truth, and it's going to sound way too simple, but I pray that it has in its simplicity, will just penetrate very deeply the lives to whom it is directed. And I hope that that is all of us. I want to talk to you something about this. so simple that it's, it's written on every page of the Bible. And it's just this phrase, God has made a way. We may not be able to find it. We may not know it. But we have to rest in an assurance as believers that among the things that are confusing me, If I want clarity, I have to go to God because He is and has established that He has made a way. So I want to spend a minute this morning, the first part of this, talking to those who have never put their faith in Jesus as their Savior and to recognize that this is the absolute first step in understanding and finding the way that God has provided. As Thomas came into the upper room, after the crucifixion, and asked with his doubt about what had transpired, Jesus showed him his hands and his feet, and Thomas believed in Jesus at that time. In John fourteen six, saying, "I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life." We know for ourselves, and we know for the world. In the scriptures, as simple as John three sixteen, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son. You see, we understand this morning without exception that God provided a way for us to escape the weight of sin. He provided us a way to step out of the bondage of sin into the freedom of salvation. And we know His name, and His name is Jesus. And He says there that there is no other way to come to the Father except by Him. That's not just rhetorical because Jesus is the only one. As we've talked about many times, Jesus is the only person who was born alive. The rest of us have been born dead. It was passed to us by our fathers. But since Jesus' father was the heavenly father, since he was he was conceived by the Holy Spirit, he was not past that seed of death. So Jesus is the only human that was born alive. Why is that important? Because you can't offer a sacrifice of death for death. There's not any one of us who could have paid that price. There's not any one of us who could lay down a life to pay for a sin debt, except for Jesus. But we also have to remember that he became sin for us. Again, that's not a rhetorical statement. He became sin. Why is that so important? Because what happened when Jesus died, now that he had become sin? The power of sin died with him. That's where the power of sin was overcome, was at his death. It was there that that price was paid for our debt of sin and death that we could not pay. Again, these are not just rhetorical things. These are not just simple things that run off off of our tongue. He became sin for us and to the degree that his father had to look away because he couldn't look on that which was occurring. We understand today, we sit here today understanding for the most part, all of us, recognizing that Jesus is the way to salvation. I hope that because of that one simple thing, whether we knew anything else or not, that our hearts would always come, always be ready when we enter into this sanctuary to enter into it with joy because we know what Jesus has done. Whatever could come against us, whatever obstacle could be in front of us that's going to be bigger than the revelation that Jesus has overcome. He has conquered sin. He's conquered death. He's conquered the grave. We read it in the Scripture. So we get to live in this world even with difficulties. We get to live in joy because we realize that the God that that has has done this for us to accomplish salvation in us has done it so that we would have a way so that the the difficulties, the struggles find an answer in Him. So the primary focus of this message is, is looking at that for a second and asking you to just consider this morning. If you don't know Him, if you haven't taken that step of putting your faith in Him, if you haven't received Him, then this morning it would be a good time to, to take that inventory, to look at your own life. I could show more of the passion of the Christ. I could have shown the part with Him on the cross. I could have shown the part where they were nailing His hands to the cross recognizing that any moment he could have reached with either hand and removed the nails, he could have at any moment called 10,000 angels to take him away. But he didn't do it because they weren't taking his life. He was laying it down for us. He laid it down of his own free will. They could not have taken the life of the Son of God. But he laid it down willingly, lovingly, so that you and I could live today in freedom. I could show you that that heavy, hard part. But I want to tell you this morning, if you're not compelled by the love of God to accept Him, I don't think I could ever show you anything that would make you fearful enough to accept Him. It's the love of God that calls us. It's the realization that He did that because He loved us, for God so loved us. He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes would not perish but have everlasting life. We know this well. We've been taught this since we were children. It's still a decision that we each have to make to begin this journey so that we can actually find our bearings. I want to spend the rest of the time this morning talking to us who are believers who have also seemed to have lost our way, that we have lost our bearings. So I want you to go with me this morning to 1 Samuel chapter 17. I want us to see here how He has provided us a way as believers to live where we know where we're going to we, so that we can understand what's in front of us and live by faith and know who He is. First Samuel chapter 17. Again, we know this story very well. This is the beginning of the story of David fighting with Goliath. I'll begin reading with verse 13. And the three eldest sons of Jesse went and followed Saul to the battle. And the names of these three sons that went to the battle were Eliab, the firstborn, and next unto him Abinadab, and the third Shema. And David was the youngest, and the three eldest followed Saul. But David went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. And the Philistine drew near morning and evening and presented himself forty days. And Jesse said unto David his son, Take now for thy brethren an ephah of this parched corn, and these ten loaves, and run to the camp to thy brethren. And carry these ten cheeses unto the captain of their thousand, and look how the brethren fare, and take their pledge. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. We could go on into the story, and that's normally the part that we focus on. We focus on the sling, and we focus on the stones, and we focus on the battle, and we focus on David's faithfulness. But I want us to rewind that for just a second, because had David not already found his way, the battle would have looked very different. Had David not already understood how to move forward, then he would have not been any more effective in the battle than those who were already there. So we need to look at what did David understand? What did he have that you and I need? Because if the battle's coming in front of us, I want to know what David knew. I want to understand what David already had. His brothers followed Saul. We read about that. He was their king. He was their leader. And they went forward with him for a noble cause, to a great battle, to represent a great God. I mean, you couldn't line up a greater purpose for marching into war. Here was an enemy of God. It was a noble cause that they were doing. It was a great battle that they had expected. And they knew that they were going there in the name of God. And the result was failure and fear. They trembled as a Philistine giant would come out morning and evening and present himself each day and stand in defiance. To the army of God. So what was different about David that we need to understand? First of all, he did not come down hoping to get a chance to use his sling. Think about this for just a second. He didn't have any idea when he left his father what was going to unfold in front of him. He did not come bringing his sling with hope that he would get to use it. He didn't come down on planning on facing a great challenge. And he certainly didn't come down planning to fight Goliath. If we miss this piece, if we miss what happens in these few verses, we will miss what we need to know when it comes against us when there's a great battle. Again, we don't march into each day expecting that I'm going to have to fight Goliath. But some days Goliath comes. Someday the hard news comes. Someday the struggle comes. And again, we don't march forward thinking that we're going to have to fight them. So again, we better be ready. As David was ready, and understand what the difference was. David came down why? He came down in obedience to his father. He didn't expect anything. He wasn't planning anything. He didn't anticipate a great battle. He simply came down in obedience to his father. His father's instruction was not to fight. His father's instruction that required his obedience was to serve his brothers. He came there to serve them. He came there because his father said "I want and, and asked him to be obedient. And the act of obedience was simply to serve his brothers. He wasn't concerned with the slings or the rocks. He wasn't concerned with anything except the provision that he was bringing. So obedience led him to service, and service led him to victory. Do you want to know what our way is? What God has done? This tells you and I that we can be prepared when Goliath rises. We can be prepared when the battle comes. We can be prepared when the struggle is in front of us, and we don't know what to do. We don't know where to go. We don't know what to say. We don't know what to ask. And every one of us have been there, and some of us are there right now, wondering at the size of the battle in front of us. And God wants us to know right now that He has prepared a way for you and I to not have to lose our way, and that the way that He's provided is obedience. I don't want to oversimplify, but what did David understand? Not only could he listen to the voice of his father and be obedient to it, that would bring him to the battleground. But whose voice was he listening to as he began to march into battle against Goliath? He was still listening to his father. It just happened to be with a capital F this time. He was still listening to his father. He moved in obedience, and it is always obedience that brings us to great blessing. Again, he didn't come prepared. He didn't come thinking. Most of us have been trained to to believe that we have to know so much, understand so much, comprehend so much, be so prepared so that if something comes up against us, I can reach into some reserve and find something with which I can fight. Reach into something and be able to, to do and meet whatever's in front of me. And God says that you don't need it. You don't need all the preparation that we do as long as you are able to be obedient. Because it is obedience, as David put on display, that brought him to great blessing. As is evident because of the rest of the warriors and the current outcome of the battle, that it won't matter how good he is with the sling if he comes to the battle as his brothers did. If he simply comes to the battle because it is a noble cause, or if he comes to the battle because he knows it will be a great battle, or if he comes to the battle... Because he wants to represent a great God. If he comes with those purposes, the outcome for him will be exactly like it is for his brothers. There was only one difference. Only one. If you find his voice, you will find your calling. If you find his voice, you will find your blessing. If you find his voice, you will find your way. There is no way to discover it. God says repeatedly, faith comes by hearing. My sheep know my voice. He tells us over and over, and as a matter of fact, as I end this sermon, I'm going to tell you that tonight I'm going to preach on how God speaks, how we find His voice. If you want to come back, you're welcome to. Because I want us to understand that all the preparation, all the noble causes, all the great gestures we can make will bring us to the same conclusion as the brothers. Unless we have learned to hear His voice, be obedient, because it will always be obedience that brings us to the great blessing. I could not tell you of another way. He made Jesus the way to our salvation. He made obedience the way to our victory. There's no other way. Hearing the voice of God is the most difficult thing that we teach you. Teaching people how to hear the voice of God. First of all, even teaching them that God speaks. And getting them to believe with any expectation that God will speak and that God will speak to me. But the Bible promises repeatedly, repeatedly that he speaks and that we can hear his voice. And when we find it, when we hear it, when we obey it, it will lead us to great blessing. I want us to recognize that right now there are some who are facing great battles. That there are some who are struggling with very, very difficult things in their life. Most of us sitting here don't even know what they are. We may know of a few. But we don't know the deep and personal things that people are struggling with. We're going to have another ministry time. And, I, and I'm going to ask those who know that they're supposed to minister to come and stand here in just a minute. And the ministry is going to be very focused on one thing. If there's a battle in front of you, whether you can identify it or not, whether there's a great war raging and you don't know what your part is, you don't know how to face it, I'm going to simply ask you to come and let somebody here not pray for your answer, But pray one thing, and that is that you would hear the voice of God. Because there is no other way to the freedom you're looking for. There is no other way to remove the difficulty outside of hearing the voice of God and being obedient to it. So if you know that you're supposed to come this morning and minister, I'm going to ask you to come. To just join me up here. And if someone comes, just pray for them that they will be able to hear the voice of God. First of all, it's going to require that you sitting here. Will do the inventory of your life and recognize that the turmoil that I'm in has an answer, but I have to find it in the voice of God. We're not going to embarrass you. We're simply going to pray one thing. That you would hear the voice of God and be able to obey. As many of you know, Jamie received a diagnosis this week from some tests that were just heartbreaking and hard to face. She said just a few days ago that she began to hear the voice of God. And the voice of God was saying prayer and the laying on of hands. It's not hard to figure out how to be obedient. If you want this morning, come and lay hands on her and R.D. And we're going to pray. Lord, you have gathered the intercessors around R.D. and Jamie. And Lord, we know that this moment was seen in heaven. Released by Your voice so we can be obedient in this moment. So we thank You, Lord, for each hand reaching forward, touching someone that's touching her. And know, Lord, by faith what's happening, Lord, that in this moment she's being lowered down through the roof by the prayers of those who have gathered to lower her in front of You. Pray in this situation, Lord, that everything physical that is in that diagnosis would be bound in this moment. That it would have no freedom to destroy. That it would have no power to change or alter this life. So we bind it in the name of Jesus. Knowing, Lord, that you allow us to speak on earth as it is in heaven. You tell us to pray that way in faith. So we pray, Lord, this morning, on earth as it is in heaven. We bind everything that would come against her. Everything that would change, Lord, we speak the resistance against it. The health and the goodness, Lord, that is for this couple, that You would just release it in this moment as we lower her before You. By faith, knowing that by the faith of those who held those ropes, someone was touched, someone's life was changed, someone was healed. And we speak that over Jamie this morning. She saw it, she heard it. Obedience, Lord, we walk it out. And we do it in Jesus' name. Thank You for the intercessor. Thank You for the prayers in this powerful moment. Lord, we don't understand all the things that you show us, but for the clarity of Dustin's heart and what he could see, the voice that he could hear, he understood that the way to great blessing was his obedience. So he comes, Lord, the picture that you give me, he comes prepared. He didn't come this morning prepared for a great battle, but he did come prepared to hear you. So we stand here in obedience, Lord, with with his hands touching Jamie as he saw it this morning. And Lord, we thank you that by this simple act of obedience, great things will occur great blessing is released so we thank you lord for, for this individual picture that you have given him and his desire to walk this out and to be obedient thank you lord for all that you have accomplished this morning we don't understand it all we don't see the end but but great hope rises in us because we know obedience is the way that you have provided so that we find our way to the great blessing so thank you again lord this morning that you have just shown us again shown us with such great power the functioning and the working of a church, and what you intended when you called us together. We just pray, Lord, in the unity of our faith, in the healing over this body. In Jesus' name, amen.